Now, it was not pretty in the slightest. It was not pretty. In fact, it was really ugly, but it was beautiful. Because LSU goes on the road at Missouri, gets a win 49-39. And we may have just seen a peek behind the curtain of how this team needs to and is going to win games. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked and LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, you can also check us out on YouTube as well. Just search Locked on LSU in the search bar. Hit that subscribe button. We're going to get to 3,000 subscribers by the Alabama game. I believe in it. You believe in it. Let's get it. Well, LSU gets a win on the road at Missouri, taking down the Missouri Tigers 49-39. And look, the final score was not nearly indicative of how that game went because a double point double-digit victory, rather, well, you might say, okay, well, all right, good game for LSU, but whoa, man, was it ugly. Was it a strange and unusual and stressful, just weird, ugly victory? But you know what? A win's a win. A win is a win, and sometimes in this league against good teams, you're going to have to win ugly and it's not going to be comfortable and you're going to be on the edge of your seat and you're going to be throwing your hands up thinking what in the world were you thinking making that play with that play call so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, when you look back on the scorebooks, when you look back on the season, nobody's going to talk about how you were down 22-7 at one point in the first half. Nobody's going to talk about a 15-point deficit that you overcame. Everyone's going to talk about how, hey, you won and it wasn't pretty, but you found a way to get it done. And you found a way to get it done against a good team with the leading receiver in college football, a top 25 ranked team who was undefeated going into this game that had everything to play for at home. You bring back, you know, the greatest quarterback in the history of the program and Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin, one of the best running backs in the history of that program gets his number retired that morning. I mean, there was some serious juice in Columbia, Missouri. There was some serious thoughts of, you know, possibly even winning the SEC East, possibly even getting to the college football playoff for that Missouri program. And you might scoff and roll your eyes, but it's a serious thing. I mean, Missouri had a top 15 win on their schedule. They were undefeated 5-0 and going into that game. And there was some serious belief and hope in that program. And I think that there still is. But for LSU to go into their stadium, sold out game, that team with everything in the world to play for, with a really good offense and a good quarterback who had yet to throw an interception on the season, with Luther Burden, the leading receiver in the country, in the country, with one of the best run games in the SEC, Corey Schrader, a top five running back in the SEC in terms of yardage and stats, and you get a win. Uh, you know, like, I'll take that. I'll take that. And look, I've said last week after the Ole Miss game, look, this offense is elite and I stand by that. So if the defense could just be better than horrendous, I don't even need them to be average. I don't, I don't need average. Below average. Just not horrendous. I'll take bad. Like I will take a bad defense. I'll take that over historically bad. I'll take that over worst defense in the history of the program bad. If that defense can just be bad and not absolutely garbage, this team can win a lot of games. 
Now, the bar's on the floor as far as the defense is concerned. All I needed, all I asked for was for that LSU defense to just come up with some stops, to just make enough big plays to win the game. And that's what they did. Two interceptions on the day. Brady Cook's first two interceptions of the season. And the LSU defense came up with big stops when they needed it. You know, I'll take that. It wasn't pretty at all. The secondary got cooked several times. No pun intended. Got cooked by Luther Burden and Mookie. I forgot his last name, but him. Um, They got cooked and gave up some big plays. You know, they, they had some big runs both from Brady Cook and Corey Schrader, the running back. So they had some big plays, and, and especially in the first half. I mean, it was like I almost dreaded LSU scoring because it meant that the defense would have to get back out on the field. Like, that's how bad it was. But they came up with just enough big plays, a big, timely interception from Harold Perkins that LSU was able to capitalize off of, and a pick six from Major Burns late in the game, which we will continue to get into because I know that that was a big kind of point of contention after the game, Brian Kelly's comments about that. We'll get into that coming up next. But uh, a pick six at the end to really seal the game. That's what you needed. That's what you needed. And that's what the defense gave you. But the story of the game, you know, the defense being less than horrendous or better than horrendous, rather. That's that's part of the reason. That's one reason why you won this game. But what I can't go any more time without bringing up is the biggest reason why you won this game. The main reason why you won this game. And that's Jaden Daniels. I mean, I to all of the Jaden Daniels haters out there, I, I simply do not know what more you are looking for from Jaden Daniels. I truly don't know what the bee in your bonnet is about this kid who just all he does is make plays. All he does is, you know, put his body on the line to help this team. I mean, he is one tough son of a gun. I mean, Jaden Daniels and the second half when he runs into the end zone that gets called back for a holding and you could he's wincing in pain wincing in pain and then he comes back with a massive touchdown run you get pushed back and pushed back because of penalties and he comes back with a huge run and you see him just bent over on his hands and knees in the end zone and you know he's in pain and he's running back to the sidelines and they're like no no no, no. we're going for two we're going for two and he goes back out there and what does he do makes another play, and converts with the two points. Like, what what more do you want from a quarterback that can make massive plays with his arm? And he has shown so much growth and evolution with his arm, where he's more willing to take the deep shot rather than dinking and dunking and taking the check down five or seven yards downfield rather than now. You know, he would have done that last season. He would have taken... You know, the easier throw, the easier read, dink and dunk five, seven, eight yards downfield rather than airing it out 30 yards downfield into the end zone. That shows growth. You know, that shows evolution. That shows how much more confident of a passer he is this season than he was last season. He makes plays with his legs. I mean, he continuously continually does that every single week. And what the the biggest thing for me is it's not just Jaden Daniels going through his reads and then running and, you know, sliding and, you know, taking the pickup for four or for five or for six. It's every time Jaden Daniels runs, there is the potential for something very special to happen every single time he runs the football. I don't know what other quarterback in the country you can say that about. 
of, you know, if he runs with his legs, it's not just a check down. It's not just a slide. It is he can pick up 30 or 40 yards and even possibly get into the end zone. I mean, Jaden Daniels is the most talented runner in college football. He's the best runner in college football. And I don't really feel like that's a hot take in the slightest. So he continuously makes throws with makes plays with his arm, makes plays with his legs and is willing to do whatever it takes to help the football team. He shows toughness, play after play, down after down, possession after possession, week after week, month after month, continuously shows toughness. And that's all I really want in a quarterback. A quarterback that can make plays, a quarterback that takes care of the football, and a quarterback that shows toughness and leadership that trickles down to the rest of the offense and to the rest of the team. It's exactly what Jaden Daniels did on Saturday and does every single week. He's the heart and soul of this football team. Jaden Daniels is the most valuable player in college football because he is more important and more valuable to this LSU football team than any other player across the country is to their football team. I mean, if you just look at it, Jaden Daniels throughout the season has accounted for like 75% of LSU's yardage for 75% of LSU's offense throughout the season. Show me a more valuable player to their team than Jaden Daniels is to LSU. He got the game ball on Saturday night. He deserved the game ball on Saturday night. Without Jaden Daniels, you do not win that football game. And that's no disrespect to Garrett Nussmeyer whatsoever. But without Jaden Daniels, that's a loss at Missouri. With Jaden Daniels, you're able to escape with a win. That's special. And we will continue to get into Jaden Daniels and the Heisman resume that he is writing. And we'll do that throughout the rest of the week. Coming up next, one one comment that Brian Kelly made that had a lot of LSU fans confused. I'll give my thoughts on it coming up next. I want to tell you about Athletic Brewing. Now it is time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And much like Jaden Daniels, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. I mean, Jaden Daniels on Saturday in Missouri, he completely carried the team. He made massive throws when when the team needed him to. He used his legs and picked up so many massive plays with his legs when the team needed him to. And we could all tell. We could all tell that he was hurting, he was struggling, and he continued to put his body on the line and continued to show toughness to help the team win. I mean, Jaden Daniels is an absolute warrior. Jaden Daniels has shown a level of toughness that is really hard to come across in any sport at any level. So Jaden Daniels is the game changer of the week. Athletic Brewing Company also has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning. They've got full flavor and well-crafted just like a full-strength beer, and they're fit for all times. You can drink them at any time, anywhere, wherever you are, and make any activity more enjoyable. Whether you're watching a big LSU game on Saturday or if you're going to your kid's soccer game or football game, You can drink those there, whether you are tackling work throughout the day or even if you're working out, Athletic Brewing Company has an option for you anywhere. So my personal favorite athletic brew is the lime salt brew. It is so refreshing. 
And it's still, I mean, it's, you know, middle of October where I live and it is still incredibly hot. So the the lime and salt is the perfect option at the end of the day when I don't want to deal with a hangover the next day, but I do want, you know, something fun to drink, something refreshing. Athletic Brewing, the lime salt is my absolute favorite. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first order. That is code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. And, hey, college football season is here. And this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Every Friday, Locked On will go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every single day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern, that is 10 a.m. Central, on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You will not want to miss it. All right, LSU gets a win 49-39 at Missouri, and you know what? I'll take it. Because that's showing me that's just how this team is going to have to win games. That it's going to be ugly. That it's going to be high scoring. That the defense is going to give up a lot of points and a lot of yards. But if you just find a way to make fewer mistakes, turn the ball over less times, and make timely plays offensively and defensively, this team can find a way to win. I'll say say about LSU what I said about Tennessee last year. Yes, they might give up 41, but they can score 45. That might be how this LSU team is going to have to win games. And those wins still count. Those wins count just as much as the blowouts or the, the gritty, gross, offenseless, defensive games like the 9-6 Alabama game way back when. Sometimes that's just how you're going to have to win games. That's how this LSU team is going to have to win games. The defense isn't changing. The secondary isn't changing. Brian Kelly told you that last week. No one else is walking through this door to help us. It is what it is. So you can just hope that the defensive line, the addition of Pete Jenkins, is going to do enough. You can put the right players in the right positions, like a Harold Perkins. You can set him up for success and put him in the right place at the right time to come up with big plays, like he did on Saturday with that big interception against Brady Cook, his first of the season. Um, But what I want to get into is one area that I think a lot of LSU fans were confused about. So go back to the end of the game. It's 34, I believe, 34 seconds on the clock. Missouri is driving. Major Burns picks off Brady Cook, runs it into the end zone for a pick six for LSU to go up 49-39. Now, that effectively ended the football game because, you know, you, you, you score. Missouri gets the ball back with about 30-something seconds left. And, you know, they're not really, in theory, not going to be able to overcome a 10-point deficit at that point. But Brian Kelly was asked about it. And instead of, you know, celebrating a massive play and a pick six, putting points on the board, this is what Brian Kelly had to say. I know it's hard to tell a kid not to score when he's got the end zone right. No, he can't. He shouldn't score. Yeah. He shouldn't score. He knows He knows he's not supposed to. We actually work on that drill. Um, but I don't know if you guys know this, but Major tends to be a little emotional uh, at times. So, 
you know, I told him, I said, listen, I get it. I get it. But the, the game's over if you take a knee and we don't have to watch this thing go up and down the field again. And, and you're going to kill me if you keep doing things like this. Okay, so that was met with a lot of pushback and confusion on social media, rightfully so. So let me break down my thoughts on it, what I agree with and what I do not agree with, with what Brian Kelly had to say and that sentiment there. I'll start with what I do agree with. I mean, he's right. Like if you just, if you, if you take the ball and you take a knee, the game's over. Because at that point, LSU can just run the clock out. They've got possession. They are in control of their own fate. There's 30 something seconds left. You hold on to the football. You get a fresh set of downs. You can just run it and run it and run it and, and, you know, call timeout, let the clock run out and you win the football game. Instead, he runs it into the end zone. Missouri gets the ball back with 30-something seconds left. And look, I know at that point you're up by 10. It is incredibly unlikely that Missouri is going to be able to score 10 points in 30 seconds or less. However, look, the idea is Missouri gets the ball back. Maybe they're able to march down the field, which is not unlikely because your defense is not very good. They're able to march down the field. Let's say they score a touchdown. Then they can onside kick. Well, they've got a kicker that can kick from 60. So, I mean, look, there's still a possibility that things could get really uncomfortable. I mean, like in the point where, you know, where LSU, it was a bad snap. Jaden Daniels fumbles the snap. I mean, at that point, I thought, oh, my goodness, this game is going to be much more, you know, stressful. The last four minutes of the game are going to be much more stressful than we need them to be. So that's the whole point is if you don't run it into the end zone, the game is over. Yes. You run it into the end zone, you go up 10, the game essentially is over. But you still open up the opportunity. You open up the option for Missouri to do something to make this game more uncomfortable in the final 30 seconds. So look, it's not wrong. And look, Brian Kelly doesn't care about Vegas. Like, Brian Kelly doesn't care about LSU covering. Brian Kelly does not care that you took LSU minus six and a half, okay? He doesn't care about that. Brian Kelly cares about winning football games. He shouldn't care about Vegas. So I know all of the LSU against the spread betters were very happy that Major Burns decided to, to, uh, to run it into the end zone. But the idea is not wrong. That if you just hold on to the ball, you go down, you, you know, the game's over. And also what I do agree with is continuing to coach what you practice even in a win. Because you still make mistakes even when you win the football game, you still make mistakes. So you have to coach those mistakes, even though those mistakes didn't cost you the game, because that's what good coaches do. Like, do you think Nick Saban, after they blow out Mercer 58 to nothing, goes back in practice and just says, great win, everybody. Let's do it again next week. No, Nick Saban continues to rip them and continues to coach what they did wrong, even in a blowout win. That's what makes good coaches good coaches, is that you continue to coach win or loss. You continue to give praise where praise is due, win or loss. So if that's something that practice of, look, final few seconds of the game, you've got the lead, you get an interception, you've got a clear lane to the end zone, just hold on to the football so as not to you know create any more interest or any more uh, animosity than there needs to be. So I, I do give credit to Brian Kelly for coaching that coaching what they practice, coaching what they coach and practice, even though it didn't cost them the game. But here's what I don't agree with. Saying it publicly. Look, this defense, they have been drugged through the mud for good reason. Because this defense is stinky. 
this defense is bad, and you don't think that the players feel that, you don't think that the players hear publicly how much everyone is ripping how bad they are, like, of course they do. I mean, these are 19, 20-year-old kids. They've got Twitter. They've got phones. They they hear what everyone says. They hear what the local media and national media says about them. That pick six was probably a much-needed juice for this defense. Was probably much-needed confirmation of, look, we're doing something right. We did something good. We changed the game. We sealed the deal at the end of the game with a pick six. They needed some of that juice. They needed some of that confidence. And I do have a feeling that that confidence that they got from Major Burns' pick six at the end of the game is going to carry into Auburn next week. So that's what I really don't agree with. Saying it publicly, if you want to coach him behind the scenes and say, look, Major, we talk about this, we coach this, you can't do that. Because even though Missouri wasn't able to get points on the board after that, they very well could have. And it very well could have gotten much more interesting than it needed to be. So coach it behind the scenes. Talk to him behind the scenes. Talk to him in practice. Major, we talked about this. We practiced this. We coached this. Don't be doing that now. Because just because it didn't cost us the game this week doesn't mean it's not going to cost us the game next week. Just because it didn't cost us the game today doesn't mean it could eventually cost us the game, a must-win game, later on in the season. Saying it publicly, I think, is just adding fuel to the fire and adding salt into a really gashed and open wound that this defense has been feeling and been experiencing all season long. Look, you got points. You should never, ever publicly berate a player for getting points on the board when you, when points were uh, at a premium in this game. Coach it behind the scenes. Look, Brian Kelly is not wrong in his sentiment. He's actually right. Like, an interception, fall on the ball, ends the game. You can take a knee. You can run the clock out. But he's wrong in his process. Right in theory, wrong in process. Look, I I understand him. This defense needed some help. This defense needed some love. And that pick six added some much-needed electricity to the defense that has been lacking passion, confidence, and electricity really all season long. So that's really my thoughts there. Just to clarify to everyone that really didn't understand why Brian Kelly was so upset with it, the game would have been over. Instead, you open up an opportunity for Missouri's offense that had no problem finding the end zone for a majority of that game. But, okay, one more thing that I want to get into. And on tomorrow's episode, I'm going to do a much bigger deep dive into what I liked on the field, what I didn't like on the field, you know, who made some much-needed adjustments, who really stood out aside from Jaden Daniels. But coming up next, I want to get into just how weird of a, a of an officiated game this was. Just kind of break all of that down, how strange this game was, and we'll get into that uh, coming up next. Passion, drive, and patience. That is what brings home the winning trophy, and it is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every single time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. All right. Thanks again for making Locked and Lucy your first listen every single day. All right. What I have to finish up with, just to get my initial game thoughts out, is how strangely officiated this game was. 22 total penalties in this game. That is ridiculous. That is crazy. 11 on each side. And look, that's one thing, a little peek into tomorrow's episode. One thing that I did not like was how many penalties LSU had in that game. Now, it didn't cost you the game because Missouri just so happened to also get 11 penalties on the day. Also, very untimely penalties on both sides. I mean, you you get one touchdown called back for a holding. Um, And Missouri also got several untimely penalties that would back them up into LSU territory when their offense was moving. But overall, okay, so one that I wanted to get into was the disconcerting defensive signals call. I'm going to be completely honest with all of you. I have never heard that in my life. Never in my life have I heard disconcerting defensive signals. And look, I understand. I haven't been around that long, but I've watched a good bit of football in my life. Never heard that in my life. And at the game, I was at the game. I was in Columbia over the weekend. And I kind of like chatted around with the people in my section. I'm like, what did they just call? Like, does, does someone want to educate me on what this means? And everyone around me was like, I, I, I never heard that either. And they explained that the disconcerting defensive signal call is the defense doing something to throw off the offense, to throw off the cadence, to throw off the snap. So the Missouri, so it got called three times, three times in this game, a call that I have literally never heard of in my life, had no idea what it meant. A majority of the people around me were like, what did they just say? What is that call? What are you talking about? They called it three times in the game, three times, twice on Missouri, once on uh, on LSU. So I don't know if that's just something that often gets ignored and doesn't get called in majority of games or if Missouri does it a lot, whether they're, I think that they were maybe clapping and they were trying to throw off the snap, maybe trying to to get a false start um, or trying to throw off the quarterback or throw off the center. I don't know. But I, I'm I'm guessing, since I've never heard LSU get called it before, um, I'm guessing that Missouri did it. So then LSU then responded by doing it as well. Um, and they got called for it. And then Missouri got called for it again. That was when, you know, Jaden Daniels came out after that long touchdown Garrett Nussmeyer was in, and the official call, I believe, was defensive delay of game because of disconcerting defensive signals. But weird. Never heard that before in my life. Never seen that before in my life. Strange. I don't know if that's something that Missouri just does, and they've never gotten called for it before, or maybe they have gotten called for it throughout the season, and I just honestly haven't watched enough Missouri football. Um, Strange call there, but helped out LSU two of the three times it was called. So you know what? I will take it. Um, also a lot of strange calls, a lot of ticky tacky calls and a lot of missed calls. They missed the false start on a Missouri touchdown drive. It was Missouri was at the goal line. I believe it was first and goal, second and goal, you know, early down and goal. And there was a very obvious and blatant false start that the refs did not call on Missouri. Missouri got a touchdown from it. Now where they were set up. 
Um, and it, the fact that it was early in downs, I do think that they still would have gotten into the end zone. They still would have scored on that possession there. But also, I don't know that. And if you're not going to call a false start there, you know, what other false starts are you not going to call that are going to continue to either hurt either side? So I don't, I don't have any sort of tolerance for missing any sort of call. I don't care what time it was in the game. I don't care where it was on the field. I don't care if they, if it's a touchdown or not. I don't care if it hurts my team or not. You got to call those calls because it then, you know, they it did call a holding on LSU later and that cost LSU a touchdown. Uh, and an injured Jaden Daniels. But again, on that same drive, they called a holding on LSU, but didn't call a late hit on Missouri when it was very obviously a late hit that ended up injuring Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels had two feet in the end zone. A Missouri defender just came right by and just absolutely just just killed him. So wait, you're going to call a holding and you're not going to call that and you're not going to call the false start that cost you know, a touchdown that got Missouri into the end zone. Very strange. But I'm I'm going to be fair here. Because if I'm going to call out the refs for not calling things on Mizzou, I also have to call out the refs for not calling very blatant calls on LSU. I mean, it was a very obvious face mask on Mason Smith that they did not call. And it backed up. Missouri was far back into LSU or into their own territory to begin with. Um, But it cost them even more yardage. I mean, Mason Smith came around on Brady Cook and like, grabbed at his face mask. It was very clear. It was very blatant. They slowed it down. They replayed it. One of the very few replays that they did show in the stadium on Saturday. And I was like, I mean, yeah, that's all day. That's a face mask. You have to call that because yeah, it helped LSU in the moment. But I mean, to fast forward a couple of more plays, you know, maybe it would have hurt LSU with a missed call. Um, so yeah, the, the missed false start call, the missed face mask on Mason Smith, calling holding on that Jaden Daniels rushing touchdown, but not the late hit. I mean, Weird. Also, the last thing that I was like, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. The the missed field, LSU's missed field goal. Damon Ramos field goal, I believe it was from 29. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like clapping. All right, cool. Got it done. Got three points on the board. Like, let's let's get out there and play some D. And then all of a sudden I see the refs doing this. No good. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? It looked like it was right into the uprights. And Brian Kelly went absolutely freaking ballistic. And since the stadium was completely allergic to, to replays, I pulled out my phone, pulled up the game broadcast, and kept going back, watching the field goal. I was like, okay, I can't see the, the ball. Let me go back. Watching the field goal, okay, I still can't see the ball. Let me go back. And I watched it, I kid you not, like nine or ten times. And I still could not, for the life of me, find the football. And it looked like it went in, but, you know, some people around me were saying, yeah, it was wide right, and then it kind of curled back around. So it looked like it went in, but it just missed the upright. So, you know, I'll take their word for it. But both Brian Kelly and 82-year-old Pete Jenkins all up in the ref's face after he's been at LSU for, what, a total of four days. I love that. Loved the passion there. Um, But, you know, they were going absolutely ballistic. So, Weird call there. I don't know if it was easier to see on TV or, you know, you saw anything differently. Um, you know, missed field goals are uh, tough to dispute because you either make it or you don't. It's not really subjective. Just thought it was a weird, weird aerodynamics of the ball there. Uh, but overall, just like one of the strangest officiated games, games that I have seen in quite some time with the three disconcerting defensive signal calls, the missed calls, the ticky-tacky calls. Um, Overall, I can't say that the refs either gave LSU the game or cost Missouri the game. I can't say that. They each had 11 penalties. 
you know, it's, it's, they missed calls on both sides. They called ticky tacky calls on both sides. It, this was not a, a referee influenced game. This was not a game that LSU won because of the referees. This was a game that LSU won because they came up with defensive stops when they needed to. They made massive plays and Jaden Daniels is a freaking dog and they won that game because of Jaden Daniels and overall because you didn't turn the ball over and Missouri turned the ball over twice and you were able to score 14 points off of turnover off of turnovers that's the difference of the game but coming up next on tomorrow's edition of Locked on LSU I'll do an even further breakdown of exactly what we saw offensively what worked for LSU offensively and the defense second half versus first half, the adjustments that they made that ended up being incredibly fruitful for LSU. We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked on LSU.